Welcome to Siempre Positivo. It was a difficult end to a tough week for Barcelona as the midweek draw with Inter was followed by Clasico defeat at the Bernabeu on Sunday, ending Barca's unbeaten start to the La Liga season and allowing Real Madrid to leapfrog them at the top of the table. The podcast will be in two parts this week, which is something which can also be blamed on Neymar Jr. The court case brought against him, his family and some Barca executives is underway in Barcelona Today, Monday, October the 17th. And Tony, as ever, is being worked to the bone. So for now, it's me, Sam Marsden, joined by Rick Sharma. And part two will feature Rick and Tony. Rick, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for welcoming me. How was your trip to Madrid? Um, yeah, it was a good trip. It was a quick trip. Um, lots of my colleagues from ESPN, so ESPN Brazil and ESPN Deportes, tried to decided to get the um, the seven the, I was going to say the seven the seven minus 15 in Spanish the 645 train to to Madrid but that's not for me that morning life is not for me so I got the 10 o'clock train from Barcelona so it's quite a whistle stop tour really got into a tocha train to Nuevos Ministerios but you're boasting about getting up earlier than me on the last pod yeah 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 I do get up well just because I'm not a morning person doesn't mean you're a morning person mate jeez <laughs> um but no I'm not about the the 6 45 a.m trains um that's different to getting up at you know 7 a.m actually being somewhere for 6 45 so yeah got into Madrid about one train straight across to the ground soaked up a little bit of the atmosphere it was quite good nothing particularly special I'd say Barca well Barca Inter was definitely much better pre-match than than yesterday's Clasico the fans do mix a little bit around the Bernabeu there's no sort of it's not like Boca River or how you would imagine Boca River, you know, where you can't sort of show up with a, a shirt of the of the opposition. There were Barca fans mixing with with Madrid fans, and then yeah, watched the game, and then yeah, pretty much straight back afterwards, trained from Atocha at nine, and by the time I'd finished with the press conferences and Joan Laporta's bursting into the to the referee's dressing room, um, yeah, it was time to. Time to get the train back, although it would have been nice to stay in Madrid. There was a well, well, Barca fans won't want to hear this, but there's quite a nice atmosphere. I think I said to you after the after the game around the Bernabeu in the bars and stuff, it felt like quite a nice, lively autumn, sort of nice, warm night and people having having fun. But I had to get back, get the train to be back in, in Barcelona. No time for a beer? No, no time for a beer. I did think I might get one on the, on the train, but I spent all my time battling with... Um, the three, the four G connection to try and do a little bit of work, and then by the time the woman spoke, this is, this does. I don't know if the just. I guess it's just the Spanish wording, but I quite liked it. The the woman on the Wego, which is supposed to be the cheap train, so that my Wego was more expensive than my Renfe. The woman said that about. I think my train got in at eleven forty five, and at like eleven fifteen, she goes, "It's time for one last round. If you want, if you want another one." <laughs> in Spanish, like little tomorrow London, I was like laughing. I was like, like being on a bar, but just on the train. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't have a. Have a beer. No, no time. No time, Rick. It's a pity. Could have done with one after Barca's result, no? Well, it's always nice to have one after the adrenaline of a, of a big game, isn't it? Let's talk about the big game, the Clasico then. Madrid clinical in the first half. Barcelona unable to defend transitions. Benzema opened the scoring after a good Ter Stegen save from Vinicius. Javi complained that Busquets had not fouled Tony Cruz in the in the build-up, although it kind of looked like he was at least trying to to foul him. He just wasn't able to, perhaps. Eric Garcia's head then deflected the ball into the path of Vinicius when it looked like there wasn't too much danger on. 
And then some soft Barcelona defending followed and Feli Valverde drilled home from outside the box. Never really felt in doubt in the second half. Some people might agree there was lots of Barca possession. They didn't really test Lunin, who was standing in goal for Madrid for, for the injured Courtois enough. Until substitutes Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres combined for the latter to score in the 83rd minute, albeit with a nice flick from Robert Lewandowski actually setting up the goal, which I didn't quite notice in real time. But hopes of a late leveller, there was one sort of half chance for Ansu, which he poked wide. Maybe it was more than a half chance, I'm not sure. Um, went out the window when Rodrigo won and scored a late penalty after a foul by, by Eric Garcia. Barca furious because a similar foul or... It was a similar, but it wasn't too dissimilar by Danny Carvajal on the box in the box on Lewandowski wasn't reviewed by the referee, whereas the Rodrigo one was reviewed after initially not being given. That was what prompted Laporta to storm down to the referee's dressing room after the the game to demand an explanation, where he was asked to leave by the officials without further incident, according to the referee's reports. <laughs> but Rick, it would be unfair, or it wouldn't be right to blame blame this defeat on the on the referees, would it? No, I kind of agree with the point that. Barca could have had a penalty, Carvajal and Lewandowski. It seemed to me as about the same sort of waiting as the penalty that Madrid got for Eric Garcia stepping on Rodrigo's foot. It kind of, not, not that they're exactly the same foul, but if one's a penalty, the other one probably is as well. That said, it's just one of those games where it almost seemed inevitable from when we started watching it that Real Madrid would win and win in the way they did with, you know, less XG and and fewer fewer chances I think Javi Javi said it like that but to me it just seemed like it didn't matter really the XG it didn't matter whether Madrid were creating chances through the game they just did what they know how to do which is what we've spoken about before which has won them so many Champions Leagues over the last decade or so they sat back soaked up the pressure didn't concede too many chances apart from the one very clear chance for Lewandowski which I don't know, it looked to me like it was offside, the one he put, slid in and put over the bar from just a couple of yards out. But I'm willing to be corrected on that because I didn't see a, a, a replay with, with any lines or anything like that to prove it was offside or not. But apart from that, I think that, that Madrid just, just sat back and didn't concede big chances to Barca. Just, they were quite comfortable with Barca passing the ball around. They were quite comfortable with what was happening in the game. And then when they felt like it, almost like uh, somebody sitting in a chair with a fly buzzing around them and Barca in this, in this metaphor of the fly. At some point, Madrid just said enough and just swatted Barca. Stuck out their arm and just swatted them. That's what, that's what it felt like to me. I think that you're right about Busquets in the first goal. He should take out Tony Cruz there. And Xavi said after the game, it's an issue of maturity, that Barca weren't mature enough. Real Madrid are a mature side uh, who know how to win these games, more competitive in that sense, or at least competed better in that sense. But Busquets is not immature. Busquets has been at the top level of the game for well over a decade. So he, he's a good reader of the game too. He should have been able to see that if Tony Cruz got away from him, he was going to spring in Vinicius down the left-hand side. Without even seeing the play, I could have told you that Vinicius, Madrid will get a goal from Vinicius getting behind Sergio Roberto. I even, in a tongue-in-cheek message to you before the game, suggested that uh, Sergio Roberto red card and penalty was inevitable from, from Vinicius getting behind him. And obviously that didn't happen, but that's where the goal came from. And I think that, yeah, Busquets should have taken them out. And, and it's as simple as that. And it adds to his mistake in the week the, the, against Inter Milan that cost Barca a goal, his misplaced pass. And I just don't know what, what they should do. And you think they should put Frankie de Jong there. And maybe that's the best solution in terms of an obvious immediate action. But 
Javi quite clearly doesn't see Frankie de Jong as a holding midfielder or able to play a holding midfield in the way that Busquets plays the same role. Maybe, maybe nobody can, or very few people can in, in world football. I know Ruben Neves was linked with Barca in the summer as a potential Busquets replacement, and that, and that didn't happen. But in the short term, I don't see what Barca can do other than completely change the way the midfield structured. We saw in the second half that Frankie de Jong, when, he, when Busquets was off and Frankie was playing a bit deeper, would still burst forward. He plays the game in his own way. So I don't, I don't think you can tell Frankie, don't run and just play the Busquets. I don't know if, he's a bit like Steven Gerrard. I don't know if he's capable of listening to, to that instruction and obeying it. I think he is more. I, think, I don't think the second half is a good... Um standard to judge it on because obviously at that point Barca are chasing the game so there's a reason why they want more and more bodies forward and also as an interior he's kind of learned and been told about that thing to get in the box the only thing that Frankie does is drive forward with the ball I don't think he's someone who's desperate to get in the I mean maybe he likes it maybe he doesn't to get in the box you know that's what he's doing because it's something that has been requested from him as an interior first from Koeman and now from Javi that he needs to get in the box I think he could be more disciplined I don't think you can I don't think you would want to take out that burst with the ball because it's such it's probably 40%, 50% of his game, that ability to, you know, drive forward with the ball from, you know, to beat beat the press. Um, but but can you do that? Can you afford to do that if you're the defensive midfielder in this team? So when the move breaks down and you lose the ball, he's just out of the picture. He's not, he can't get back to, to help defend. Well, that's when it's the same as with Busquets. If you lose the ball, you, you, you can see, don't you? So that then becomes... Can you build a team around that then when you lose the ball presses and wins it back quickly? Obviously, the, the way Barca are going to play is always going to have risks in terms of when they lose the ball more than other teams like Madrid. And in, and in terms of Busquets, yeah, you, I think you're doomed if you're looking for a Busquets replacement. A, because you know the game has changed. B, because there's never really been anyone like Busquets. I think me and you had this conversation the other day. I mean, I think you said Churamini would have been, been the one. Um, but I mean, at 80 million, that was obviously impossible this this past summer when when Real Madrid signed him you also touched on some of the stats there and some people have seen sort of looking for the positives from the Barca Barca performance at the Clasico pointing out that you know they did dominate the numbers in terms of possession shots you said they had the better xg 1.47 to 1.67 but yeah I was thinking also you you did the fly analogy I was thinking more of like you know like if an adult's play fighting with like a little kid and the kid's like trying to throw little little punches (laughs) and pushes and stuff and the adult's just like holding them back holding them back and then, like, with, like, one thing, the adult can just sort of, you know, like, pick them up and chuck them on the bed or something. Or It's a little bit like that. And like you say, that maturity that Javi was speaking, like, it's, it felt like Real Madrid did have things completely under control, even though Barca did have, perhaps, but if you just look purely at the numbers, and I have seen some people using the numbers, um, I don't think it felt like a good performance from from Barcelona. And I think aside from Busquets and the defensive concerns, which we've talked about a lot, and it's not just the individual well, the individual mistakes in the defensive structure but also how big a concerns do you think there are over over Rafinha and Usman Dembele now it's an interesting question because they, for me they would have been the two and I've said it before on the pod best wingers that Barca have in theory but there's a, a certainly a clamour building now for Ferran Torres and more so Ansu Fati to, to get game time certainly this week with Villarreal on Thursday and Athletic Bilbao on Sunday two big games coming quite soon in a row there's going to have to be rotation and I think that it is a bit of a worry that they've dropped out of form Dembele and Rafinha I think that in a way it kind of shows you almost that it's quite difficult to have two good players for every position and for a different reason than 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 just keeping everyone happy more so because 
there's just always going to be people wondering and discussing whether another one should be playing in, in their stead. If someone has two bad games, if you're the first choice winger and you have two bad games and you're clearly first choice, you know you're going to be in for the next game and you can, you know, you can build your form. I think we were talking about this before with uh, the goalkeeper position as well, whether Ter Stegen should have a good backup or not, like a, a backup who could push for a place. But in this, in this moment, if, if Rafinha has two bad games... And I think he worked, in, against Inter, he worked hard. And I think he was quite good in terms of his work rate. Against Madrid, it was a bit harder to tell, maybe because I wasn't there, so you couldn't see all the off-the-ball stuff so well. But if he you know, has two bad games at Leeds United, he, he'll play a third game and a fourth game and play himself back into form. Whereas when you have four options, all equally worthy or nearly equally worthy of, of playing, it's quite difficult to juggle how, how that works. Of course, you know, Ansu and... Ferran should get some game time. They both came on and did well. They Ansu set up Ferran for the the Barca's one goal, and it was a great burst forward from Ansu. But then there's other questions like, is it always going to be the case that the ones who come off the bench can show more than the ones that start because the defence is less tired? I, I'm worried still about Ansu, Ansu's fitness. I know people at Barca are saying he's he's fit 100 percent now, but I'm worried. What if he plays against you know Unai Emery's uh, Villarreal? Quite tough. Athletic can be very tough as well. He gets kicked in from the start of the game for an hour, and then kicked again in, in the next game. How how is, is he going to stand up to that? And is if Dembele comes on with twenty minutes to go, is he not going to look great against the tiring defence? Could be. I mean, Dembele always looks good when he comes on in those open games. It's going to be interesting how how Javi manages it now. But I just mean just in terms of Dembele and Rafinha, it feels a little bit perhaps opportunistic. I mean, they were both involved in that first goal against Inter, and Rafinha did play well against Inter. And I think Rafinha is a really good fit when this Barca side's functioning. I think in terms of how he works and in terms of a modern player, I think he could still have success. And Belly's a slightly different case. I mean, his decision-making again, there was one when he ran through against Real Madrid and Ferran Torres had made a run and he delayed and delayed and delayed and didn't pass. And then the chance had gone, Ferran Torres was was furious. But if we just even, even just zooming out, if you just look at pure numbers, Barca are so sort of reliant on... on Lewandowski. And if you look at Real Madrid, Fede Valverde has scored five goals in all competitions now. That's more than any Barca player apart from Lewandowski. Rodrigo has scored more than any Barca player apart from Lewandowski. Benzema has, obviously, but he's been injured for a month. Vinicius has as well, obviously. They've all scored five or more goals. Barcelona only have Lewandowski, who's scored more than five goals. I think it's perfectly reasonable to request that Rafinha and Dembele are scoring. Rafinha scored one goal. Dembele scored three now after his one against Inter Milan. But Dembele's assists are also down a little bit from from last season. I think Anzu Fati's got more assists than him in La Liga. Anzu Fati's got three assists and that doesn't include the the one against Madrid because obviously it went officially to, to Lewandowski. So they need to be more productive in the in the final third. I think that's probably a really big concern for, for Javi. And I think we've started to see Javi acknowledge that. He's, also, he's always been very, very, you know, full of praise for Dembele, talking about how good he can be. After that intergame, he acknowledged the decision-making is slightly not up to scratch or not as good as it could be and after the Madrid game he also acknowledged that Barca aren't attacking very well I mean you have to acknowledge it when you're on a run like Barca are on at the moment where even when they won the games against Mallorca and Celta Vigo they only won won 1-0 he acknowledged that you know that the attacks aren't very good so it's going to be interesting like you say now with Villarreal Thursday Athletic Sunday how many minutes he gets out of Ansu and Ferran and I'm not saying they should play just because they set up and scored a goal against uh, Madrid in the Clasico or whatnot. I just think that both of them, especially Ferran, would benefit from you know that confidence of knowing they were going to play a few games. 
Um, even if, you know, if Javi just says to Ferran, look, you're starting the next two league games and give him, give you a chance. Because, you know, he's been feeding on dribs and drabs and it kind of, I feel like he's a little bit of a confidence player for Ferran. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. But I'm not sure about the, the Valverde comparison in the sense that they don't... But Xavi wants his wingers or encourages his wingers to stay super wide, which isn't, it's not really conducive to necessarily scoring goals, maybe more assists. And Dembele's got two goals, two assists. I'm looking at the numbers right now. He's got 0.63 goals or assists per game in La Liga. And Valverde is more or less the same, 0.68 for Real Madrid. So the impact that those two players have had is actually very similar, Valverde and Dembele, in terms of goals and assists in the league. And it's just distributed slightly differently. Valverde has more goals and less assists because of his, he has more freedom at Madrid to, to play inside. Well, I've got all, all competitions. I think Valverde's a lot better all competitions because he's got five goals all competitions and two assists. And what's, what's Dembele all comps? I don't know. I've not got. The, I've only got the Madrid stats up now. Dembele has three goals, all comps, two assists in the league. I don't know if he's got any in the Champions League. Well, yeah, but that's not that's not too different, is it? Five contributions to six, and Valverde, at least in La Liga, has played more minutes than Dembele. Seven, seven to five. Or oh, seven to five. Okay. I think it's just all round, though. I just think Barca don't have enough contributions from the wingers or from the midfielders. I mean, Valverde's obviously a midfielder as well. Um, that needs to that needs to improve. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone would agree with that. And I think that maybe maybe Javi needs to look at the composition of the front three. And I talked about this, about not being able to really say exactly what Javi should do, because I, I don't know. But I would move the wingers maybe not quite as wide. I know he wants to stretch the pitch, but connect them more with the midfield and, and Lewandowski. And you can also trust in their, their technical quality to be able to play their way around defences or through defences without having to stretch the pitch so much because they're all very, very good players. Maybe slightly less in terms of this Dembele because he's, he's, his open space, his work in open space is so, is so good and important. But players like Ansu Fati can beat a man in, in very close quarters. And I'd be quite interested to see an attack of Ansu Fati, Lewandowski, Rafinha uh, as part of a front line. I think that the footwork and the, the interplay between those three could be very good along with Pedri and Gavi from midfield. And fair play to Gavi came on, made a difference as well from the bench. Had more sort of blood and guts, like he always does, but more blood and guts in the game than, than most Barca players in the Clasico. Yeah, I mean, I've said, I've said um, on this pod a couple of times now that I've gone with De Jong, Gavi and, and Pedri. And I mean, especially in the Clasico, I thought at the time, and it sounds easy to say now with hindsight, but, you know, in terms of, you know, when you look at, Madrid and the fight of Valverde, the way he flies in and flies around. Barca needed that from Gavi. I feel like they they lacked that a little bit, that aggression that that Gavi plays with. But obviously, it's easy to easy to say in hindsight. But I promise, I did did mention it before the game that I would have started Gavi. Yeah, I th- yeah, I agree. It was a weird choice from from Gavi not to play him. The only the only reason I could imagine he didn't is because he was worried that he would end up with a red card because he came on and pretty quickly got a yellow card. So if he played from the start, maybe he would Barca would have ended up with ten men. That's something for Gavi to work on to, to make the coach trust him if that's the case, to make him believe that he's clever enough and intelligent enough in his, with his energy not to, to pull the cards, uh, draw cards from the referee. But I, there were other decisions from Xavi that I found very confusing, like, for example, why he took Balde off, who for me had been Barca's best player in the game before he was taken off. And, and he could have gone to right back. He's been played at right back this season on a couple of occasions. We've seen him there. But he could have put Balde at right back to keep to deal with Vinicius and 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 play. I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to see Marcus Alonso play, but Alonso or Alba at left back and and not expose Sergi Roberto to the the fastest player on Real Madrid's team and their their real danger man. I know Benzema scored goal and 
and is going to win the Ballon d'Or on Monday night tonight. But the the sort of the play of Madrid comes through Vinicius. Without Vinicius getting the ball, they they're far reduced. Yeah. Let's hear um, let's hear the ratings. Though. I'm interested to hear them because obviously it was a, a defeat for Barca, but I'd like to hear if anyone did well, anyone did particularly badly in in Rick's ratings. Mark. Andre Ter Stegen, six, no real comment, don't really blame him for any of the goals. Got quite close to Rodrigo's penalty. Sergio Roberto, five. I don't blame him particularly for the first goal, even though I said Vinicius skinned him, because I think it's more Busquets' fault that, that goal rather than Sergio Roberto's fault. Because if you're playing a high line, then of course Vinicius is going to get the better of you if, if you're allowed Tony Cruz to play such a brilliant pass that, that he did. Jules Koundé, probably Barca's, well, up there with Balde as, as the better performer on the team. I'll give six to Koundé. I will give a five or four, four or five to Eric Garcia. I think I'm going to give a four because, it, because one of the goals does come, second goal comes from his bad header, sort of heads, misheads it into Vinicius's path and Madrid just completely toyed with Barca for that goal. And it, it, I didn't say it's going to be a goal when that happened but you could sense that a goal was coming in that moment and that, that they were pulling Barcelona all the way to one side of the pitch to then just play it back to the other and, and Valverde drilled at home Balde I'll give him a six as well Frankie de Jong maybe not enough for me in this game to say oh he should be playing 100% He's, he deserves to play but he was again one of the players that did the, the least wrong as it were in this game we'll give him a six too Sergio Busquets can have a four, Pedri six, Rafinha five, Lewandowski five, and Usman Dembele five across the front. Oh, didn't he? I think Lewandowski deserved a six. I mean, he's so so isolated. He was but in that last sort of half an hour. You know, the little flick for the goal. He should have hit the penalty. Was well, the penalty that wasn't was almost something he'd won on his own from a long ball over the top. They fought his way into the box. I think he was a little bit more dangerous than than Rafinha and Dembele. Yeah, I, the reason I punished him a bit there is because of the miss. The firing over the bar from on the slide admittedly but yeah. from just a couple of yards out score that if it's onside which I haven't, you know, haven't been able to verify or not then it could put a ball passer right back into it yeah like you say with the eye I think it would probably have been ruled offside if it had gone if it had gone in uh, we're almost a, a year we won't go into this now maybe you'll talk about a little bit of Tony in part two but I just wanted to flag one tweet because obviously there's going to be a lot of negativity after you know the more than possible Champions League elimination, losing top spot to Real Madrid. Um, I don't know if this is positive, actually, but this tweet caught my eye. And it's more just a thing about, you know, you need patience. You know, Javi's been in charge for a year, but, you know, the big investment came in the summer. The squad is still coming together. There have been injuries. And it's just Joan Tejador on Sir Catalunya just made a point of Guardiola's first season at Manchester City when they came third in the Premier League, knocked out of the Champions League by Monaco. They didn't win anything. And they'd spent 250 million euros on signings. I've not, I've not confirmed that number on signings. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just an implication really that, you know, the, a project is a medium term, term thing. And perhaps Barca's start to the season where I actually looked it up yesterday. And I know Sevilla are in the bottom half, so they're one of them, but they've won six of their seven wins of the league or have come against teams who are currently in the bottom half. So teams that are in bad form or have not played well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, and just the way it's been compressed, I think there's still reasons for, for Barca to believe that under Javi things will come good. We've seen plenty of good things throughout the last year, good performance. It's just about consistency now and gelling, gelling and finding, especially in attack, like you say, finding that right right mix of players. Yeah, I think on the plus side, if you're going to take a positive out of the draw with Inter and the loss to Real Madrid, it's funny actually because in this press conference, Javi also described the, the Inter game as a defeat before correcting himself. It does, you know, that is how it felt. 
the positive is that there's no relevant European games, more or less, until the Europa League starts now. You know, barring Inter capitulating at home against Pilsen before Barca even played Bayern next week in the Champions League. So it's just La Liga to focus on. There's a, the reset with the World Cup and the team can, can build and, and Javi will have more time being able to, when they get back, train the players and coach them and, and get you know Im- implement all his ideas fully, which that has been a moment to breed so far this season. And the, I don't think this game is as bad as the intergame by a long stretch in the sense that it came after the intergame, the team was deflated already. All they lost was three points. They haven't lost a title. They're still very much in the title race. And the, whereas the intergame was was a, a brutal blow because of the fact they were they're basically knocked out of the Champions League. So now it's, now is the time to to learn. And I don't know if there's a better coach that Plus could have than Javi for this period of, of transition. I don't know what they would do. Uh, there's some there's some talk. Uh, some people in the Discord, for example, have even suggested Javi might go for Thomas Tuchel. And I think that that would be a, a terrible idea. I, I, we saw him with Chelsea. Yeah, he won the Champions League, but we won the Champions League on, on uh, you know, it's a, it's a cup competition. We ran, got a run to the final with brilliant defending and team put everything on the line in terms of defence. And we just managed to, to grab a goal with Kai Havertz. But in attack, the team was absolutely shambolic for for a lot of, of last season and, and this season in the, in the start of the season. The, the teacher didn't have a clue how to put together the team in an attacking sense and eventually the, de- the defensive effort sort of ran out as well that there's only so long you can have your back to the wall and and they gave up I think that'd be a, a, really a horrible shout if, if Barca employed him as coach not even a question for me not even a question about about that you give Javi the, the season I think we spoke about it on the Q&A the other day just finally from me because I no, you and Tony won't mention it, but shout out to Alexia Puteas, who's set to win the Ballon d'Or later on Monday in Paris. The first woman to win it for, for to win it twice. Uh, she won it last year as well, so she will retain it. Um, it's only been going since 2018. And also Gavi, who is going to win the Copper Trophy, apparently, for the best young player or the best under-21 player in the world. He succeeds teammate Pedri beating uh, Jamal Musiala and, and Jude Bellingham. So congratulations to Puteas and Gavi. You, you are right. I wouldn't have mentioned it with, with Tony, but I resent the implication that I haven't been thinking about it. I've written 700 words on Alexia Puteas going to win the Ballon d'Or to go out at the moment she wins it later on. Visca Alexia. Right. Rick and Tony will be back in part two. El titular te lo pongo yo. Enjoy football. Y ya está. And now for the second half of the pod, it's me, Rick, with Tony Wamati. Tony, how are you doing? Hi, good afternoon. Mm, quite good. Mm, the sun shining in Barcelona this Monday. We have been in the morning in the, how do you say, trial of Neymar? Trial, the Trial yeah. of, uh, of Neymar because of his signing for Barcelona. Also aware of a Ballon d'Or uh, event, event that is going to have to take place this night. And uh, I'm not going to lie you. Um, it was quite difficult to be worse than what I was after the draw against Inter because that hit was unbeatable. So for me, all what happened in the Classico was 100% expected, 100% expected. So there's no difference between how I was last week and how I am now. No, no. Yeah, I guess that's the thing with the the Classico. 
as me and Sam were talking about, it's only three points, which could be the same as defeat against any team. Celta Vigo, Villarreal, well, hopefully not Villarreal, with Villarreal coming on Thursday night. But how do you see Xavi's position after this? Of course, the club aren't planning on you know getting rid of him in the short term. No, no chance of that. But do you think he's been damaged by this defeat or it's just part of the learning process? The, the, the situation of Xavi for me is not... I mean, it's not in danger because at the end it's true that the club uh, is very disappointed with all what's happening. But uh, we, we have to remember that it's the first season in which uh, Xavi is there since the beginning. Um, apart from that, you have to think that other coaches that had succeed they also had a complicated beginning for example i i saw a tweet today of our mate from mundo deportivo edu polo saying that after 50 games at barça guardiola had the same number of victories than tata martino so um i think it's like 37 wins out of the first 50 games what i want to say with this what I want to say with this is that we cannot say no because Xavi's numbers are not good. No, we have to be patient. And let's see if at the end of the season the team has won any trophy or not. How is the team playing? Because we cannot make exams in the in the month of October. Okay, yes, it's true and it's obvious that after falling too soon in the Europa League, in the Champions League, you have now more pressure because now... To get good marks in the season, you need to win, for example, La Liga and La Copa or Liga and, Co and Supercopa. So this is like the first 30% of the exam, you failed. You got nil points, okay? But now you are doing an exam from nil to 6.5 or from uh, until 7. And if you get a 10 at this part your rating of the season will be, what I say, 6.5 or at least 7, because you still can have a season more than good, winning Liga and winning Copa. So, for me, this is not the, the main point in terms of uh, starting to doubt about Xavi or if he's the right man or not, because others like Reichardt or Guardiola, they also had problems. For me, the debate should be another, Rick. The debate is... If this Barça knows or knows, apart from if they know, if this Barça is playing to the best option possible with the players that Xavi has. My doubts are not about Xavi, but yes, about if the way of playing has to be this one. With being Dembele as a top target attacking, with being Sergio Busquets always a starter, because I don't know if the team has to change some things. I was writing about this today. Should Xavi edit and change his Microsoft Excel? His, <laughs> how do you say Decalogo? How do you say Decalogo? A sheet of uh, paper in which you have all the rules, or your, or your, or your DNA. It's a decalogo. Decalogue, I think it's decalogue, the word. 
No, well, I mean, it might be uh, a word, but no one ever uses it. I've never heard anyone use it in English. Decalog. Yes. I'm seeing like the Ten Commandments. Commandments, maybe. Commandments, yes. Maybe he should change some of them because since the, from the beginning, he has been like 4-3-3 with open wingers, with Busquets as a K player, with Dembele opening the right wing and always starting the play with him. And this and the other. Another thing. And we are always pressing high. This is another point. Because Barcelona is pressing high, but when you don't press really good, if you press high but you press bad, you get splitted and then you can receive a lot of counterattacks. I don't see, for example, Liverpool always pressing hard, or I don't see, for example, Real Madrid always pressing until the goalkeeper. So they mix with this. And if you do this, you have to be sure that your central defenders, your central backs are going to really push forward. So should we play a different system? Should we start considering or should Xavi start considering that maybe he needs to play with all these players he has? Like Ansu, Ferran, Rafinha, like 4-2-3-1? Should he adapt a bit of the, the style because then Pedri can shine more because now he's only running, running, running and we are not taking profit of his quality? Should Xavi consider that for Frankie de Jong the 4-3-3 is not really the good, uh, the, the best uh, way of playing. So my doubts are exactly this, Rick. Not about Xavi, but yes, about if in 2022, with the squad that you have now, that is quite different from the squad that you had on 2008-2009 with Guardiola, if you can still try to play with this classic 4-3-3. This is my doubts, because I think that all these five games after the international break have shown not only personal problems of some individual mistakes, have shown also lack of a structure in terms of Lewandowski is uh, unplugged. How do you say? Desconectado. Yeah, disconnected, isolated. Isolated. Busquets suffering a lot. We, we have seen Pedri only running and not being able to, to give his best football with the ball because he has to run a lot because... When you give the ball to Dembélé, his, uh, his attack is really fast. So then you have to run back. And Gabi and Pedri are crazy running. So this is not the best way of shining for Pedri and Gabi. And all these things. So are we really playing in the way that this team needs, that these players need? Is Xavi going to say, yes, it's only a matter of time? Or is he going to think, okay, maybe the 4-3-3 classic that is in my head needs to be changed and we need to change some things. This is my point of worrying. I wonder if a, a 4 2 three, one might suit Barca with either Busquets and Frankie de Jong or even Frankie de Jong and Pedri, for example, as two of the deeper players in that, in that system. Because if you have Frankie de Jong with someone alongside him in the sort of holding position, when he does burst up the pitch, as, as me and Sam were speaking about earlier on the pod, when he does break up field, then you'll have somebody who can cover, somebody who's still there after him. And it, it won't disrupt Barca's system too much because I think we all would like to see another alternative to the Busquets in the holding role. But it's quite difficult to say it should be Frankie de Jong when by himself as a pivot, he, doesn't, he might not give Barca the structure they need. But maybe if you, if you change the formation, it might be a way of getting Lewandowski more connected as well. And you could use 
Ansu Fati, Rafinha, whoever you want out wide and, and the players will be closer together on the pitch with uh, an attacking midfielder as well. It could be Gavi, it could be Pedri if you have Busquets and Frankie de Jong behind. And not only, and not only this, two things that for me are difficult to... Well, one thing that for me is really difficult to understand and then another debate that will have to be considered. First point, if you keep Busquets playing... And I'm not saying it's his fault. Eh? I don't want to say that all Barca's problems are Busquets. But yes, it's true that I think that one of the problems is that in some games he cannot stand the intensity. Okay. Is it going... Is Xavi going to say, okay, I see that with Busquets there is no future. So my decision is to start practicing with another, with another player as a pivot? Um. Uh, I don't care if uh, it's going to come another pivot, another central midfielder on summer. But with the players that he has, is Xavi going to say, okay, I know that Frankie needs to learn this job of being pivot, but okay, Frankie, you are going now to start playing as a pivot and I will have patience to teach you. Is it going to happen? Or Xavi will say, okay, no, we don't have need, uh, we don't have time to teach Frankie, I prefer to, to, to go um, with a short-term solution that is, okay, maybe he's a bit old, but he knows how it works, and I still go with Sergio Busquets. Because at the end, if you're building a project, you have to make the first-day mistakes. Balde needs to play games and make wrong decisions. This is the only way of growing. As, for example, Xavi, Iniesta and Valdez, all them did when they were young. When they started playing big games, they made mistakes. So, Balde needs to make mistakes and Frankie needs to play and make mistakes as a pivot until he learns the job. And my second point is, I cannot understand, this is, for me, really difficult to understand and the people is not talking about this enough. You are admitting in all press conference that you are having problems to find spaces between lines and to connect uh, from the, the players who play in the midfield with Lewandowski. Normally, Kessier, Frankie, Gabi and Pedri. You are admitting this and you accepted Miral and Pjanic to leave the club when he was being the best one making these passes through the lines. And you accepted Miral and Pjanic leaving the club for free just because with Pjanic departure, the money that the club had to pay to La Liga, El Aval, how do you say Aval? Yeah, the guarantee. The guarantee of the, the club to La Liga then was, on a lower, uh, was a lower guarantee. That's why they decided to accept Pjanic departure. But it's incredible if you analyze this on the sportive area only, how was possible that we accepted Pjanic to leave and now... We have been talking that maybe they consider to, to have Nico back from his loan in Valencia. This is, for me, this was a bigger, bigger, big, 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 big mistake. Yeah, Pjanic did look very good in, in pre-season. Even though you can't read too much into those games, he certainly like, had the quality, showed he had the quality to, to contribute this season. That's interesting. And it's funny you mentioned those stats earlier because a lot of people are using those first 50 game stats against Xavi because he's had the worst record out of Barca's recent managers in terms of only 28 wins, 56% win rate compared to Ronald Koeman. But obviously, Xavi's the first manager that hasn't had Lionel Messi in the team. Do you think that's why he wants Messi back? Because he's seen Messi can be a cheat code for the club in many ways. 
Sí, sí, eh, es verdad, Xavi, it's true, at the end, all these numbers, some of these coaches, they made it with Xavi, and it's true that Messi, uh, Xavi does, uh, with Messi, sorry, it's true that uh, Xavi doesn't have Messi, but it's also true that he has received good signings, but at the same time, it's also true that he had a lot of injuries in the, in the defensive area, so, uh, as I said before, we have to wait and make the analysis Uh, at the end of the of the season. Yeah, no, that's fair. No, but it is also true that I think we were we we were not really conscious on which was the reality of the team in terms in ten in terms of lacking of uh being able to compete with top teams during 90 minutes because in the last three four years you were not competing. You were Even there, you knew that you were going to lose. And now, as I always say, being competitive is not like a light, I'm st uh, uh, um, switch on, switch off. This is not like this. This is a process. For example, when you are working quite good as a club, for example, as it was with Luis Enrique until, with, until when Luis Enrique was the coach, you don't start... Losing at this next day of making sheets of training. You, it's not that easy that I switch on, I switch off. You, what you do, it has the, how do you say, consequences? Yeah, consequences. Consequences, yeah. What you do, you, sh you, you see the consequences on the, on the medium term. So, when you, after Luis Enrique's departure, started to do nothing in the training session, it's not that on the following year, you were going to lose La, La Liga and you were going to be ridiculous. No. What happened? You still kept going because you had good habits in your back. You had good habits. And this is what I say, la inercia. What do you, you know inercia? This is the, the rush that you have of what you have been doing. So after Luis Enrique, after Luis Enrique, you kept winning Some ligas, and you almost win the champions without doing nothing, canceling training sessions because the players wanted to make this birthday and not respecting Valverde. You were so close to League to Champions League and you were not working at all. How was it possible? Because you still had the credit of all what you did. So now, on the other side, this is exactly the same, but on the negative part. Yeah. On the present, you are working fine. In the, in, in, in the present, you are working really well, but you are still paying what you have been do doing last two, three years. So what you do, you don't see it on the short term. You need like two years to show if you are doing well or not. What happened with Valverde, with Kuman, and with Setien, and finally with Kuman? That... Finally, what you were doing appeared, appeared. What you had, those good habits disappeared and you got to a black reality. Now, all these things that you are doing, you will see the results in one year and a half. What I want to tell you is that being competitive, being bad, being a serious team, defending well, this is not a thing that you can change in two days. That's why even if now they are working well, You are still paying the bill of the last three years.
It's not that easy that, no, now, now I work well during two months and on Saturday against Inter or against Liverpool, I'm able to compete 95 minutes with no mistakes on the corner kicks, stopping the counter-attack. No, this is not magical. This is like someone who goes to the gym. If he has been eating burgers, burgers, burgers and burgers during two years, you cannot, you cannot expect that with three weeks of push-ups and, and running a lot, <laughs> he will be like Orlando Bloom. You're not going to be Orlando Bloom in two months if you have been eating burgers in three years. So Barcelona is now working well, but he needs to kill all the, ba all the bad habits from, uh, from the last three years. And these bad habits to die, it takes time. At least now you are back. At least now you compete. You are not ashamed. You are not ridiculous. But now the final point is missing. It's not only competing, but also not making individual mistakes, all these details that at the end they make the difference with Inter, with Bayern and all these things. Well, they say Rome wasn't built in a day, but I prefer your version, Tony. Bloom. Bloom wasn't stacked in a day. <laughs> he had to go to the gym a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like this. But what I want to tell you is that, that not only that the sentences that we use that, no, things take time. I'm not using it to, to, to say only on the positive way or on the negative way. I mean, also, in the other part, it's also like this. There are a lot of teams that also, when they are not working well, they still win because they have good habits. And the Barça of Valverde was winning because they were used to work well with Luis Enrique. So even if they were not doing nothing, there is like the memory of the, of the body, the memory of the mind, when you are used to train hard. Muscle memory. They, they still had this. But what happened at the end, after a couple of years not doing nothing, those fuel, this fuel was over and you were uh, nothing as a team. So now you are starting working, but it will take time until your laptop in your head and your muscles deletes, deletes all, the, all the bad shit that you have been creating during, during the last years. That's why it's frustrating, because I can understand the frustration of the players. We are training well. The, the, the fitness trainer coaches are top. We are doing good things, but we don't win. This is how it goes. You were also not doing nothing in the training sessions with Valverde, and you were still winning ligas and competing until the end for winning champions. In sport, consequences of what you do are not immediately. They come in the medium term. That's what's happening to Barca. Yeah, it makes you feel sorry for players like Lewandowski, Rafinha, who have arrived with, with good habits and then... Some of the bad habits maybe are, are hanging over. It's a bit like when you move into a new house and the last tenant didn't pay the water bill and you just have to pay it to, to get, it, get it done and get it out of the way. But just before we go, Tony, the Neymar trial you were at this morning, Any, anything interesting from that? He appeared today, so did Bartomeu, so did Sandro Rossell. Um, not really. Eh? I have to admit that I'm not an expert of these extra sportive things. Uh, for me, only thing that was, the only thing that for me has been incredible to, to realize is that the, how do you say the, the judge? Yeah. The judge allowed Neymar to, to leave the room after giving his opinion because he said that while the judge said, eh, the judge said that while he was sleeping, Neymar was scoring a goal and that he could understand <laughs> that Neymar was tired. So then he gave permission, he allowed Neymar to leave the room. My question is, if I go to, to the trial, 
and I say that I have been writing articles until three in the morning? <laughs> is he going to say to me, okay, you can leave? <laughs> I don't think this is so, a shame. Yeah. This is a shame that this is a shame that the, the how do you say la, la justicia? La justicia? Yeah, the court. That this is a shame that the court makes different treatment for all these players and for the for the normal population. This is an absolute shame. Yeah. Well, hopefully, Tony, you won't say anything dodgy to get yourself in court on Siempre Pod or write anything bad in Relevo. We'll keep you out of court because you won't get good treatment there. So we'll keep you out of court. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. No, no. But uh, this has been, this has been uh, incredible. But no, no, no. Neymar didn't, of course, didn't want to talk. Uh, some friends were telling him, hey, Neymar, come to Real Madrid. Uh, there was a Real Madrid fan there and, and shouted to Neymar, hey, Neymar, come to Real Madrid. And then he was like <laughs> laughing. But no, no, nothing, nothing special. And if I, if I have to be honest, Rick, all what uh, comes about Neymar, for me, I'm, I'm really tired about this. It's like, oof. It, it, for me, Neymar is getting, for me, the new Nicolás Anelka, no? You know, all these players that you are always feeling that they need to retire and you are every two months checking his age, like, wow, he's still <laughs> playing. This happened to me with Nicolás with Anelka. He's like, Anelka still playing. And then I was checking his age. Oh, he's not that old. And with Neymar, the same. Neymar, 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 too much. He's like, I'm getting tired of, 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 of Neymar. It seems that he has been playing for 10, 10 15 years, so... I'm tired of all uh, what comes about Neymar. He has been too much on the focus for, for, for bad and extra sportive things. So, oof, I'm so tired about Neymar. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm quite lucky in that somebody else at AFP, someone on the news side is covering the Neymar trial for us. So I can just focus on, on La Liga and don't have to worry too much about it. That is all we have time for today. We'll be back later in the week, certainly after the Villarreal game. Stay positive. Even if it's not possible.